You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Good morning. That's loud. How are you? Is Pierre here? I, I just want to hear you follow la la again. That was awesome. That was awesome. Good job. Let's get up for Pierre. He did a great job with the announcements. Well, my name is Pastor Dre, and I have the privilege of, of speaking with you uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read verses 18 through 21 today. And as you're turning there, I think it'll be on the screen as well. If you hear any extra groans or creaks here, it's because your three pastors had this bright idea to play flag football with the teenagers yesterday. And uh, we're all a little bit sore, realizing that we're not 20. Flag football, and we're hurting. Isn't that bad? That's sad. You guys are not laughing as much as I thought you would, but that's okay. I appreciate it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 uh, through 21. These are our verses for this morning. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be Married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Will you pray with me one more time today? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful today that we get to be here in church, get to be in your presence. We just ask in the next few moments that, Holy Spirit, you would speak to us, that you would change our hearts today, that Um, you would give us something new today, that we would walk out of here differently than we walked in. Jesus, we learned something new about you. We'd fall more in love with you today, and we'd want to take it to wherever we go today. Lord, we declare our ears are open, our hearts are open, our mind is open to whatever you want to say. Lord, I pray that you would anoint uh, the meditations and study uh, here in this message today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know what for you is the kickoff for Christmas season. I don't know. How many have a tree up already? Yeah, you guys are awesome. How many, how many did the Black Friday shopping or you've done some shopping online? Yeah, okay. So you guys are already, anybody have all their shopping done? Okay, you guys aren't crazy. All right, good. Um, I don't know what the start of Christmas is for you. We love Christmas in our house. We love Christmas so much that we got married around Christmas time because my wife wanted to have Christmas trees at our wedding. And so that's how much we love Christmas. But growing up, uh, the start of the Christmas season for me was always, always happened in my church. And I want to give a shout out to my church in Youngstown, Ohio called Victory Christian Center. And every year for my whole life, uh, we put on a kind of Broadway style stage production of a Christmas Carol. You guys familiar with that story? Yeah. We did a version of it called The Gospel According to Scrooge. And basically it was a little bit of a variation uh, of that story. And it really kind of brought out some of the hidden 
uh, things that, Charles, that Dickens put in there uh, that kind of alluded to Christ. And we, for years, uh, for, I can remember as a kid going, as a teenager, as a young adult going to this show every Christmas. And, you know, at different stages, you know, when I was a teenager, I'd go to see all my friends who were in the play, <laughs> speaking in British accents, just to make fun of them. And dressed in weird clothes. And I know we have some real actors in, in, the, in the crowd today, but I was not one of those people. I just came to support and make fun of my friends. But, you know, I didn't realize how long, like 20, 25 years, that kind of became the start of my Christmas was when we put on that stage production. And we, we saw a lot of people come to know God through that. It was an amazing kind of thing. But today we want to start a new series called The Spirit of Christmas. And we want to loosely use the Christmas carol as kind of a little bit of a, a jumping off point for where we're going to go over the next few weeks. I want to give you some facts, though, about Christmas carol in case you didn't know. A little bit of a synopsis, spoiler alert. Okay, plug your ears if you don't want to know the end. It's been around for 150 years, though, so it's not the Mandalorian. But on December... 19th, 1843, an author by the name of Charles Dickens released a short novella, short book of fiction called A Christmas Carol. In it, he writes the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, an elderly miser, you guys impressed with that word today, who is visited by the ghost of his former business partner, Jacob Marley, and the spirits of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas yet to come. After their visit, Scrooge is transformed into a kinder, gentler man who now loves to celebrate Christmas. Yay. Okay. Here's what happened, though, at that time. When A Christmas Carol was released, at the time, 1843, I think it was released on December, I said December 19th, by December 24th, Christmas Eve, the first edition was sold out anywhere it was released. It became, and and people that study this, uh, sociologists and, and pop culture experts, believe that, Christmas Carol was one of the first viral moments that ever happened in publishing. And not only did it sell out that first time, um, but here's how viral it went. In one year, 13 additional editions were sold out. They were sold out quickly, winning over its readers and literary critics overwhelmingly. It had like a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. It was well-received, okay? Unless, I mean, they really used Rotten Tomatoes back then, too. So less than a year after its release, three different stage adaptions were being performed over, all over London and New York. It's pretty wild to think about in, in the age that we're, how information was traveling then. And, and here's something that became interesting to me as I studied this. Many Christmas traditions, such as the Christmas tree and the Christmas card, celebrating with family around a meal, actually at the time, prior to the Christmas carol being released, were in heavy decline. Families weren't gathering. Families weren't celebrating. Families weren't decorating. There's a lot of reasons for that. I won't bore you with that. But when that story came out, it changed the culture. Suddenly, celebrating Christmas became a thing that we all began to do. Uh, One of the things that happened because of this book, I didn't know this prior to the book, the Christmas greeting was not Merry Christmas, it was Happy Christmas. But because Dickens uses Merry Christmas in the book, it became what we adopted. I'm really glad Happy Christmas sounds kind of weird. But now we say Merry Christmas because of that book in 1843. Pretty wild, right? It became a viral thing. 
In fact, many experts agree that the inspiration for most Christmas stories, plays, or even movies can be traced back to this little novella. So, depending on how you feel about the Hallmark Channel, you may owe Mr. Dickens a debt or carry a grudge towards him. Anybody watching Hallmark Christmas movies? Yeah. You take a drink of eggnog every time there's a gazebo in there. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Or someone snowed in at a hotel. Okay. This has nothing to do with anything we're talking about today. All right. It's fascinating to me that there was a time in our history where the celebration of Christmas and the excitement and motivation of why we celebrate was sort of lost on us as a generation. And it took a book, it took a story, everyone say story, it took a story to kind of revitalize why we celebrate Christmas. Here's what we've done as a church community this year. It's December 1st. There's still a month left in this year. It's going to be 2020, which is wild to me that already. I can't believe it's actually December. But our theme, and we're really what we thought God was speaking to us this year, was that we were to put Jesus at the center of our lives. How many have been trying to do that this year in a, in a good way? And here's what we found out, and here's what I found out. I don't know what it looks like for you personally, but when you begin to put Jesus at the center, often what happens is that which is in the center needs to move out of the way. Right. To make room for Jesus, there are some things that need to be pushed out. Sometimes that's painful. Sometimes that's life altering to put Jesus at the center of your marriage and your profession and your life and your hopes and dreams and your friendships. It means that you have to make room. And here's what the, the hope of this series as we talk about this this month is just to remind us that the spirit of Christmas is not just. Shopping. It's not just Hallmark movies. It's not just lights and hot chocolate and eggnog. But the true spirit of of Christmas is celebrating Jesus. Amen. I mean, we know that, right? But how often do we go through this? Because we were saying this in the prayer meeting, like Christmas by itself is a vibe. It's a mood. Like even people that don't really have any kind of faith or really care about being in church or following after Jesus, they will decorate and celebrate Christmas a little bit. Do you guys agree? You guys know people? Yeah. And so putting Jesus at the center, what does that look like of the celebration of Christmas? What does it really look like? So what we're going to try to do over these next couple of weeks is talk about what that means and really borrow from Dickens' story and his, his vehicle that he used. And we're going to talk about what it means to celebrate Jesus in our past and in our present. In our future. Is that okay? And today I'm going to talk to you about what does it look like when Jesus is at the center of our celebration? What, how does it affect our past today? And I believe this, that some of the reason we really can't fully celebrate Jesus sometimes is because of how we feel about our past. There's many of us who love Jesus who still carry a lot of guilt and shame and hurt and pain in our lives. In fact, scientific studies have proven that guilt does quite a number on our body. Shame does quite a number. Shame particularly wreaks havoc. There, all these scientific studies are coming out that it wreaks havoc on the, on the nervous systems of our body. 
Keeping a secret is one of the most detrimental things that you can do to your body physically. Guilt and shame, pain and hurt, not physically, but the heartbreak kind can cause all kinds of sickness. Because here's what happens to us. Is that shame and guilt make us feel like we're frauds sometimes. What's happened in our past. And I, here's what I'm here to tell you today. And here's the good news. Is that Jesus has come to take care of that in our lives. You should be really excited about that too. Yeah. Jesus has come to take care of our past. He's come to take care of our, our shame and our guilt. And here's what I want to tell you today. There's just three quick things I want to, want to tell you about what that means. And then we're going to pray on these things today. What do we need to know about the true spirit of Christmas when it comes to, be, comes to dealing with our past? Our past mistakes, our past sins, or even our past hurts. Number one, this is an easy one, is that Jesus has a name. He has a name. The name of Jesus is a powerful name. It's not just like any other name. There are some names that you can throw around this town that can give you some power. I've thrown some of your names around. Thank you, Dan Greco. Thank you, Dan Schuberth. I've thrown your names around. Gives me connections. It gives me, gives me quick access to things. Mostly positive. And sometimes a name can do that. It can, it can give you entrance to knowing a name. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus has a name. And his name means something to us. Understanding what his name means speaks to our past. It speaks to the guilt and shame we might carry. There's nobody like Jesus ever in the history of the world. He's never written a book, but there's more volumes written about him in the history of the world. He's never written a song, but there's more songs sung about him. He never traveled 300 miles away from his hometown, and yet there's not a corner of the world where people don't know his name. There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like that name. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about Jesus. And because he has a couple different names that he's called in the scriptures. And so when the angel appears to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, kind of know what's happening in this setting. This is the Christmas story. An angel shows up to Mary and says, hey, you're pregnant. You're pregnant with the Son of God. And she goes and tells Joseph, and Joseph says, no way, I don't believe it. That's my translation. And it takes a dream from God. It takes an angel coming to speak to Joseph for him to really understand that this is something supernatural. But I love what the angel says to him. He says, she will have a son, and Joseph, you will name him. Now, here's what he tells him to name him. What does he tell Joseph to name the baby? Jesus, right. And here's what I want to say. He has a name, and that name is important for us to understand. That name, Jesus, is the Greek form of Joshua or Yeshua. And the meaning of that name means the Lord saves. Will you say that with me? The Lord saves. And so every time that we call upon that name, you know what we're doing? We're prophesying his role in our lives and his role in the world, that he is the God who saves He has a name. It's powerful. And I want to talk to you today about that he's a savior. And he saves people from their sin. You know what he said there? The the Greek word there for save means that he, you, this baby, this 
Savior will save people from death and destruction. And that is what sin does in our lives. It brings death and destruction. And he will save people from their sin. Again, I I love this. He says, I've never seen this before. She will have a son, but Joseph, you will name him. Never noticed that before. But Joseph's task was to name the son. And I think there's something in that that speaks to me or speaks to us today. Because here it is. We may know about Jesus, but what name do you give him in your life? What name do you give him? What have you named him? Is he your savior today? Here is Jesus. What have you named him? Joseph's task was to name him Jesus, the Lord who saves. Is he your savior today? But here's the reality is that we all need a savior. And whether we realize it or not, we're trying to save ourselves. We're trying to do things. There's some things. Sometimes if Jesus is not at the center, we will interchange things that become our savior. Sometimes our profession becomes our savior. Sometimes a relationship becomes our savior. Sometimes the pursuit of money becomes our savior. Sometimes our kids become our savior. You guys agree with me? I've been guilty of doing some of this sometimes, putting the wrong thing in the center of my life. And none of those things in the end are fulfilling. Because here's why. Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. He fulfilled all the rules and regulations that number over 600 that no man can keep. And because no man could keep it, no man could be right by their own. We were always at a distance before Jesus. There was fear and not deep intimacy with God. But when Jesus came, when he came as a Savior, that changed it all. That's good news today. And Jesus, his entrance into this world, ushers in a new era in the faith story where performance is not based on me or you, but on the performance of Jesus and what he does for us on the cross, his death and resurrection. And that's really good because our performance can only get us so far. And sometimes we make ourselves our own saviors. But when we say that he has a name, when we call his name, we are reminding ourselves that he's our savior. We have a need for him to be our savior. Here's what else we do. When we call on Jesus' name, we should be reminded of how much he loves us. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 is really kind of a love note to us from Paul to say, hey, here's how much Jesus loved us. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled, everyone say humbled. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him The name above all other names. Will you guys say that with me? The name above all other names. Come on, one more time. The name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One of the greatest lies of guilt and shame is that there's no way that God can love me because of what I've done. And these verses let me know God loves me a whole lot. Jesus loves me a whole lot. Because you know what this is called? Theologians call this the kenosis. It's that Jesus existed before, all, before time began in the Godhead. God the Father. 
God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He existed. And that's, that's the crazy thing, right? So Jesus is born into a womb that he helped create. Jesus is laying on hay that he helped create. He's in a manger with animals that he helped create. But what did he do? He gave up his privilege in heaven to come and be the sacrifice for me and you. That's how much he loves us. You guys catch that today? And when we call on his name, it should be a reminder that not only is he our savior, but he loves us that much today. He left heaven for you and for me. We have to understand that this Savior loves us that much. So we call on his name. Let us always be reminded this Christmas season that he loves us and that he saves us today. Number two, the second thing is because he's come to take care of our past, we have a new name. Because of Jesus coming to earth, because of him giving up his privileges in in heaven, we no longer have to live in our shame or guilt. Our mistakes don't have to define us anymore. Prior to Jesus, we we would be defined by our mistakes and our shame and our guilt. But when he comes and he takes care of that and he offers us forgiveness, we are given a new name. We're no longer identified by our past mistakes. And just like in in the Scrooge story, I believe there's spirits at work for us that sometimes like to keep reminding us of our past like to keep reminding us of what we've done that's been so harmful. Have you ever been awake at like 2 in the morning and you think of a conversation that happened 13 years ago? Just me? And you go through all those little things. And for whatever reason, you're up till 4 a.m. thinking about a a mistake or a wrong conversation or something that's still lingering there. I'm here to tell you that God, through Jesus, offers us forgiveness And he takes away our guilt and shame, and he gives us a new name. Instead of being guilty, we are now called forgiven. We are the forgiven one. We have a clean slate. The Bible says that he casts our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. They do not exist when we bring them to him and we ask for forgiveness. Because we know his name, we get to know our real identity. And that's awesome. Listen to what Jesus announced at his mission statement, what he came to do. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. And here's what he does for us. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I want you guys to understand this today. Before Jesus gave us forgiveness, before he did what he did on the cross, we were once poor, but now because of Jesus, we are rich in him. We were locked up in chains, bound by our guilt and shame, but because of Jesus, we now have access that nothing holds us back. Before Jesus, we were blinded by our sin, but now we can see. Before Jesus and his forgiveness and what he did for us on the cross, we were oppressed way down. But now we are set free. There is a new name that we have. Not only is his name important, but we have a new name. Can I tell you a story about the last day of eighth grade for me? It was the first and last time I ever skipped school. 
You'll understand why in a minute. First and last time that I ever skipped school. Last day of eighth grade. wasn't really daring. But after lunch, a group of friends and I, we decided, hey, we're going to, it's our last day of eighth grade. We're high schoolers now, practically. We're going to clean out our lockers, and we're going to ditch the last two classes, and we're going to go to our friend's house who has a pool, because that's what you do when you're eighth graders. And so we decided, hey, we're not going to take the bus home. We'll figure out with parents. We won't tell our parents. We were really rebellious, right? We're living on the edge here. You can laugh. It's all right. And so about 20 of us, we decide we're going to walk to our friend's house. But something happened where a group of friends said, hey, we're going to go here. We'll meet up with you later. And I found myself, myself, just me, the only guy walking with about six friends that were girls. Notice I didn't say girlfriends. Okay. Pastor Carrie's rolling her eyes at me in the front row here. Um, and so I don't know how it happened, but we were, it was just me and and. Six of my friends that were girls, and we were walking in this neighborhood. We were almost to our destination when over, I could see, it was almost like a movie, over the crest of a hill, I saw a group of 25 guys walking towards me, walking towards us. And these weren't just normal guys. These were guys that were, they were trouble. And I could just remember the crest of the hill. I can remember I see two, and then three, and then four, and then 10, and then 15, and then 25. I remember who these guys were, and I, I kind of grew up in not a great neighborhood and a great time, but I was in the wrong neighborhood, and I was the wrong color in that neighborhood because I was Hispanic. I was not in the Hispanic neighborhood. And as these guys approached me, they began to shout obscenities at the females that I was with, and I knew that I had to say something, but I also knew me saying something would equal death for me in that moment. And I'm not trying to exaggerate, but some of these guys were in gangs. They were wearing their gang colors, and I knew some of them had guns on them. I knew I knew which one had a knife. And I remember just this scene, and I began to get so tense. This has a point, I promise you. I began to get so tense as this as this group was coming towards me. I knew something was going to happen. I really thought my life was going to be over, to be honest. And and kind of the mouthpiece, the troublemaker. He began to just shout at me, began to call me all kinds of names, all kinds of derogatory Hispanic names. And I didn't, I didn't know how to respond. I knew that something was going to happen. And it didn't look favorable to me. But in the crowd, in the very back, I recognized somebody that should not have been there. He was somebody I knew from a different side of town who was, friend, was a family friend. And I remember as these guys were threatening me and they were telling me what they were going to do, I I, I shouted to him. His name was Rondell. I said, Rondell, you know my name. You know who I am. Tell these guys who I am. And if you don't tell them who I am and they touch me, I'm going to tell my cousins what happened. Because my cousins were family friends with Rondell. And we had grown up playing on the north side of town. We were on the south side, but we had grown up playing on the north side of town. And suddenly, just this courage came into me, like, tell these guys who I am, and if you don't, I'm going to tell my cousins who, what happened here today. And suddenly, Rondell, the slowest walk I've ever seen, walked to the front, and he hugged me. He said, Dre's, Dre's cool. Dre's my boy. He's with me. He is, and he said my cousin's name. He's cousins with so-and-so, Sean and, Sean and Dana. And suddenly, the whole mood 
of, of that group changed. And what was an antagonistic, about to be a fight, turned into a, a love fest right there. I don't know how it happened. And I remember walked out. I was so tense that day. But it, it became a picture for me as I was studying this today. That when there's guilt and shame and other enemies that are knocking on your door, because Jesus is your Savior, you can call on his name. Does that make sense today? And when guilt and shame begins to say you're no good and you have a past, God can't use you, God doesn't love you, you can say, hold on, hold on, hold on. That was who I am, but I I have a new name today because the Bible says I'm a new creation. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I can, I can throw my cousin's name, but it's better than my cousin's name. It's Jesus' name, my Savior. And I can begin to speak to those accusing voices. And I can begin to speak to those things that, that, that torment me on the inside and say, no, Jesus paid the price for that. Because I have a new name today. All my sins are forgiven. I'm the righteousness of God. And I'm at peace. He has a name. We have a new name. And last, they need to know your story. We're going to close with this. Nikki, if you want to come. I want to pray with you in just a moment. And who's the they? I think it's the world that needs to know your story. Revelation tells us that we defeat him. We defeat our enemy by the blood of the lamb and by our testimony. Jesus, the Savior, does amazing things. He works in our past through our past, and more often than not, in spite of our past, he redeems it, he creates something beautiful, and he gives us a story and a testimony. In spite of our past, and through our past, through our mistakes, through our guilt and shame, Jesus redeems it all, and he gives us a testimony. That's the amazing thing. Revelation tells us that the way that we live victorious is by what Jesus did but also by telling our story of what he did in our lives. Some of you have some amazing stories today. What God's done in your life. You're not who you used to be. And you have a story to share. One of the ways that we can keep Jesus at the center of the celebration of Christmas is to share with those around us our story of how we came to know the Savior. The people in our neighborhoods, our jobs, our families, strangers that we come in contact with. So many people that are around us are so desperate to know this man named Jesus. Some of you have been set free, and you have the answer for those that are around you. This world is desperate to have a Savior. They're looking for it. So many people want to be set free from their past, from the power of sin, from guilt, from shame. And Satan, the Bible says, that he just stands and accuses people day and night. People are so tormented. They need a way out. Think about our our society. We're a society gripped by depression and mental illness and suicide. Identity crisis when it comes to gender and sexuality. But here's what Jesus said. This is interesting to me. The resurrected Jesus, when he dies, 
He defeats death. He comes back. In John chapter 20, verse 23, the very first words that he says to his disciples when he comes back, he says this. He says, basically he's saying, here's the game plan now. Verse 23, I I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins, and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. That's what Jesus' first words to his disciples. I'm going to read it to you again. I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins, and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. We are called to be a community of believers who proclaim forgiveness and preach forgiveness and tell our story. Come on, are you with me today? Some of you guys have amazing stories. Sharing your testimony. What I want to believe for you today is that you guys are going to have opportunities this month. Opportunities you didn't expect to just share your testimony with somebody. Hey, this is what God got me through. And you're going to see people in your life who don't know anything about God or know anything about Jesus the Savior want to know more about him today. Would you stand with me this morning? Why don't you bow your heads and pray? Pray with me. Nobody looking around. I'm going to give you an opportunity just to spawn real quickly today. The spirit of Christmas is celebrating what Jesus has done for us. I want to pray for anybody in this room today that you need to make Jesus your Savior. You've never done that. You've never made the decision, hey, I want him to be my Savior. There's other things in my life I've been putting in place of him instead of Savior. Or maybe you're here today and you've just struggled You know about Jesus, and one of the reasons why you've not been able to make that decision is because you just struggle knowing how much you're loved by God today. And I'm here to just declare to you once more that he left heaven for you because of how much he loves you. If you're here today, you say, hey, Pastor Dre, will you just pray with me? Because today I'm ready to just say, hey, I want him to be my Savior today. If that's you, we just lift up your hand here in this place today. Thank you. There's a couple hands that are raised. And this is the prayer that you can pray real quickly. Jesus, thank you that you saved me. I put you first in my life. I put you at the center of my life today. Anything that's in the middle, Lord, I push it out of the way and just say you are my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you that you loved me so much that you decided to come You left heaven to come for me. And I receive you today as my Savior. It's a first step, Lord, in the journey. You could pray something like that today. Let a pastor know today before you leave, hey, I prayed that prayer. I prayed something like that today because we want to help you in the next steps of the journey. Second thing I want to pray for is those maybe here. You've been haunted by your past. Maybe it's been the guilt and shame of your own mistakes. Or maybe it's been the mistakes and hurt of other people. 
has you stuck in the past. I believe that a Savior has come to give you a new name today. To not have you identified with your pain and your hurt and shame. If you're here today and say, hey, Pastor Dre, there's something in my past that I'm just struggling with. And I want to pray right now that God would break that off of my life today. That's you. Would you lift up your hand? Awesome. Several hands today. You can put them down. Can we pray today for those? Jesus, I thank you for these. I pray for whatever situation it is, Lord, whether it's guilt of a decision, guilt of a sin, the shame they felt. Maybe it's a hurt feeling from somebody else. Maybe somebody wronged them today. Lord, I pray that you would come in, that you would show yourself to be the loving Savior you are to them, Lord. We declare that you will give them a new name. They are no longer bound by shame or guilt, Lord, but they're forgiven. They're a child of God today. They will walk in peace. You're on their side today, Lord. It's, it's your battle to fight, Lord. I pray that today. Come on, I believe there's somebody in the room today that, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I believe there's somebody in the room today that there's something that goes back even to your childhood with your parents. Something that they failed you in, and I believe that God wants to speak to that today. He wants to help you get rid of that pain today and reconcile that relationship today. He wants to give that situation a new name. Your parents let you down, but today Jesus is going to turn that thing around. And bring some peace into that relationship today. Come on, I believe there's somebody else in this room that you made a bad decision and you, you, you ruined a business relationship. And it's kind of been haunting you today. I believe God wants to restore that today. He wants to set you free. You're not supposed to carry that guilt or shame. And there's forgiveness available for you. And there's reconciliation available for you today. I believe that for marriages today. I believe that for parent-child relationships today. And last, we want to pray. I just want to commission all of us in this room today to go tell your story this month. I believe that God wants to give us opportunities to just share about a Savior. It's not going to look like a pastor on a stage. It's going to look like you in your office or you in the grocery store or you in your family. And you're going to know when it happens. You're going to know like, hey, this is something unusual. And I'm going to pray today that God would give us courage to just tell our story today. So if, you're, if you would say, hey, Pastor Dre, I'm, I'm on board for this. Will you just kind of lift out your hands like you're going to receive it from God today here in this room? As we pray today, Heavenly Father, you can see these hands raised today. Lord, commission us to go and tell the story of forgiveness wherever we go. We want to be your disciples. We know it's on your heart today. Give us opportunities to just share your goodness with those around us today. This week, Lord, I pray that you would do it. This month, I pray that you would give us opportunities to just tell the story of how we met you. How you changed our lives. Lord, I pray that people that we've been praying for for a long time suddenly we'll be back in contact with. We pray for unusual people like bosses and people that we sat next to and work for years that we've never had a faith discussion. Lord, I pray that that faith discussion will break open this week, this month. Because, Lord, we believe that 
people are looking for a savior. Give us courage. We know sometimes it can be awkward and we can be afraid, but give us courage to tell our story of how you changed us. We want to celebrate the spirit of Christmas completely. Help us today, Lord. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com. Mm-hmm.